scripture um, reads this way, that our God is a consuming fire. And as his people in this room, we are blessed, highly favored, redeemed, anointed, called, chosen, forgiven, free, his, hidden, holy, righteous. We are his children. And I would just not advance forward before we pause and just tell him, Lord, consume those things that are dross. Burn them away so that we stand in the fullness of your calling and your purpose and your holiness and your wonder. And there's nothing left but you, Jesus. And you are so good, Lord. And God, I pray that your goodness will transcend any other thing that we brought to this table this morning. That God, you will not just stand as a declarative great good, but God, you would become dear and good to us. God, I pray that you would burn away the things that are hindering our hearts from just giving themselves to you fully. God, I pray that you would burn away the sense of a small calling and draw us into the fullness of your purpose and your plan and your pleasure for your great name, Lord. God, I pray that you would purpose our steps for this day, not for a group of people venturing to another land, but for a group of people in this room sitting before a good God who are called for him and his namesake. And so, holy God, I pray, not that you are good, for you are. I just pray that you are that to us. That there are no rival thrones in our lives. There are no things in our lives. There are no declarations that have been made over us that we have allowed to define us, God, except to declare us as holy and acceptable and right before you. As yours, your children, we are, we are worshipers. You're good, Lord. In Jesus' name, we, we, we open our hearts to the truth of your scripture and to the calling of hope within among us. It's in that name of Jesus we pray and hold fast. Amen. So if, if you've been hanging around for a bit, we've been talking about hope, and I have a whole lot right now. It's a good moment for you to say, me too. Like, I'm in. <laughs> we've, uh, we've been, I, I mean, if there's a thematic verse, there's a slew of scripture this morning that I want to read. But the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, verse 5, just leads us through the gateway of the redemptive work of God in the first two verses of the fifth chapter of the book of Romans and who we are in Jesus and what it means to be His. And then it takes us directly to the gateway of life on this earth, which is, um, which is extraordinary pain and suffering and sorrow, which leads us to endurance, which leads us to strengthen of our inner core, which leads us to hope in the living God. And then verse 5 is such an amazing verse because he says these words. He says, this hope, it doesn't disappoint us. In a world that is extraordinarily disappointing, this hope does not disappoint us. 
Because God's love is being poured out over and over and into our hearts and our lives for the truth of who he is. And the spirit of Jesus Christ has been given to us. And in the, in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he says, look, I'm, look, I would long for you to just be filled with this spirit of Christ as you make your way through this earth, as you walk through this earth. I pray that you walk in a manner that is so radically and sovereignly different that the glory of Christ makes you appear drunk and foolish to this world, but you are filled with his spirit and his presence ongoing as you make your way through. So be filled with the spirit of Christ. And there's a hope that will not disappoint in a world that deeply does. I, I read and began this series. We're, we're going to end the series in two weeks um, where we began it, around the table of communion. And around the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, celebrating what holds us together as a church and what holds us together as individuals for the sake of his glory. And I also began with these words, with billions of people in the world, someone should figure out a system where no one's lonely and no one in this room, and more importantly, no one that we come into contact is void of hope. And it's a beautiful children's book called All the Better Book. And I, I along with all of this this longing and need in this world, someone should figure out a system. And so I just tag on to that someone with a capital O is named the living God through Jesus Christ. He's the head of his church and he's got a system in play and it's us. And he has postured us here in this world to live not solely without void of hope. That's We long with much hope, but he has called us to be distributors of that hope as we make our way through this earth. And we just come into the midst of that and says, God, would you do beautiful things through us? Here's what Jesus said. He said that through his church, the world would take notice and would see the supernatural wonder of our unity. He would see the radiant hope that is happening among us and the abounding love that we would share. And here's what it says of that of us. Um, it says that others would believe as a result of the church's faith, hope, and love. That others would look into that and they would fall in love with the Jesus that consumes us. We would really step out to this community and say, come and see, come and believe who Jesus is, just to simply carry you to Scripture in Acts 4, 32 through 35. It's on the screen. If, if you are a note taker, and I hope you are, you're writing down Acts 4, 32 through 35. This is such a beautiful picture of what he's describing when he says, now the entire group, here's what happened before. It might rattle us a little bit. Um, by the way, did you not just love circling with the body of Christ and praying aloud with one another today? Like just participating in the service. I just believe this about the church. I believe that, I don't, I don't have to believe it. Scripture says this about the church, that God has uniquely wired every person in this room, not a few people who can sing and a guy who can say a few words and string them together. He has wired us together as the body of Christ for the sake of Christ. And he brought into this room a myriad of gifts. And a multitude of people who are bringing your hearts into this room to lay them out before the Father. And when they prayed, it says in verse 31, which won't be on the screen, the place was shaken. I feel like the Holy Spirit did a bit of that this morning. He just kind of rocked us a little bit and turned our hearts more toward Him. We should pray a lot more. And they're filled with the Spirit and they spoke the Word of God to one another. And here's how they speak the Word of God to one another. There's a single descriptive word, boldly. 
And I want to look at one another and say, let's speak boldly of this word of Christ that is living among us. And then it's really beautiful. The entire group of those who believed were one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great power, the power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And with great grace, it was on all of them. For there was a needy person among them because all of those who owned land or houses sold them. Their proceeds were given and they just served the needs of one another. And the people just stood out and said, in a place where there is a void of hope and a desperate need for passion, we can look inside the church and see and believe and we should be standing outside going, this is beautiful and it's happening among us. God's generated the system. He writes about it and he brought it into being and the church... when. I don't know about you, when I read this, I look at this and think, God, this is beautiful. But here's what I also respond with. God, this message that this church is living out makes you believable. Let that settle in your soul a bit. God has postured the church to carry his name for his sake as ministers of reconciliation and our uncommon unity and our fierce hope and our passion for the things of God. Those things make God believable as we walk about this earth. And it's the calling of the people of God to just say, God, we're the system you've created to bring hope to this world. Could we adopt that right now? And that's not a rhetorical. Could we adopt that right now? Lord, we're kind of recognizing the gravity of the church. It's not something that I do or attend. It's who we are. And we're adopting this, the reality of what you have called from us, that the church is delivering the person that is the hope of the world. His name is Jesus. And we carry him and throughout this world for the sake of his glory. We are the system that God created as his place of hope. We are not the person of hope. We're the system he's created that would point and amplify one name. And that's Jesus. And it's a beautiful thought and reality. This scripture teaches us that there is a profound connection between unity, between love, between the grace of Christ and the believability of that message. I wrote this sentence as I was praying over this, and you do with it what you will. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not crazy with this sentence. I'm just wrestling with it. You wrestle with me. In Romans 1, it says that the empty tomb validates the power and profound nature of the cross of Jesus Christ. That I am absolutely assured of. And I just wrote, Lord, I think much like that as I was praying for this, the love and hope among the church validates Christ as its center. Much as the empty tomb said this was legitimate, this was real, the hope that is carried among us, the love of Christ that is carried among us, the fierce passion for unity that is carried among us validates that Jesus is the center of who we are. It doesn't validate Jesus. He's fully validated. It just validates what we are about and we are coming into this room saying, God, you are longing for hope in this world. Our fierce unity, our fierce hope, our fierce love is convincing. There's huge amens rippling in your heart, I hope. I just would say it this way. Come hope with us. 
I began this series saying these words, a community of hope is a place of resurrection. Imagine taking this, pas- this passage of scripture seriously and spending our energy saying to God, we long for this to be a part of who we are. It wouldn't rattle us if this building was shaken for the sake of your glory. And in fact, the Lord, we're going to test you on this and we are going to pray as a radical united group of followers of Jesus. We're going to sell some possessions so that there's needs that don't exist. We're going to mobilize forward in great grace with great unity. And we're going to ask, Lord, for some things to happen among us that couldn't happen apart from your spirit. And that's a little scary for Baptists, but we should ask for it anyway because it's going on in the New Testament. We should be looking at the Lord and saying, could there be some things that are happening here that can't be explained apart from Jesus? And if there are not, Lord, perhaps we're not filled with Jesus. Come and hope with us that the unity of the faith is our center where we battle for hearts, where we craft the church into this truly united, and listen to these words, supernaturally loving family. That's the very best thing that God intends as a system to share with this world. Let's just come and share this. David Platt shared this question. If you don't know David Platt, he's just stepped aside as our IMB international missions leader. He said, what if the church itself What if the people of God gathered in one place is the intended attraction? Listen to that again. What if the church itself, the people of God, that's us, that's you and me, gathered in one place is the attraction? Regardless of who's singing or teaching that day, the fullness of Jesus is put on display. I love Romans when it says it this way. The fullness of Jesus is put on display when we say this to our fellow believers. When I show up in the morning because of where I've been all throughout the week, because where I've been throughout this morning, when we come together, the fullness of Jesus comes with me. And when we gather, we expect it to be powerful because we are putting on display not solely what we've watched, Walked out in this week, but what we collectively walk out together as a family of faith. Come hope with us. Come and share this, this, this beautiful power of Jesus Christ, a group of people who are redeemed, who have peace with God, who stand in grace. That's what Romans 5 teaches of who we are, who walk through this world with every calamity and sorrow. And so though, Lord, there's suffering in this world, there's great hope in you. And I rest my heart and hope in this, in this beautiful Savior that holds us together. This hope will not disappoint us, Romans 5.5 5 says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit of Christ who was given to us. There is a sentence that you should memorize. As you pray for Mandarin Baptist Church, as you pray for your personal intimate walk with God, as we gather together as a faith community of hope, we should gather with this verse at our center. This hope that holds us together, it doesn't disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit of Christ, and it is the place of unity. And here's where I would say, church, here's just where, here's where the rubber meets the road, and I'm kind of being a little redundant if you've been here for five weeks, so just hang in and apply. Redundancy is good. Just read a bit of Moses. Moses says a lot of things over and over and over, because I think he's looking at the people and saying, are we going to get this? And maybe redundancy is good for me because I need to get some things. One of the sentences I shared early in the series is, you hope as well as you know the Father. And I I just wrote, I didn't write anything. I just read, immediately my heart went to Philippians 3, 8 through 11. I did share with you, I want to read a lot of scripture this morning. 
when Paul just writes to the people and he says, here's, here's, I, I brought my little um, participants trophy. Um, we should all get a participants trophy in this. I, I have it up here for you to just look at. If you could get this participants trophy, God will do great things among us. And here's the participants trophy. Just participate with this. Join with Paul in this endeavor. In Philippians 3, verse 8, more than any other thing, more than any accolade in this world, I consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I'd suffer the loss of all things and consider them dung, scubula, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Jesus. My righteousness comes from God based on faith. My goal, my participant's trophy, the altar of my life is to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I am willing to delve into the sufferings of this world. I will be conformed even to the death that he, that he encountered, assuming that I will, by his grace, somehow, through his resurrected power, attain a resurrection from among the dead. Can we participate together in that? Could that become the prevailing trophy for us? And we just kind of hand these out one day going, if there's one thing that we're known for is that we long to know Christ. That would bring unity to the body of Christ. But more importantly, it would allow us to say with integrity, come hope with us. It will allow us that we're not building our hope off of some temporal deal. We're building it off of the living Christ. And you hope as well as you know your father. And that is, that is searing in my soul right now. Paul writes, there's one glorious ambition of my life, one magnificent obsession. This is our great reward. This is the trophy that calls us as prisoners of the prize. I, I value having friends who carry this participant trophy. I received a note from one last weekend. I so wanted to read it. And so um, Susan and I got a little text and it had a screenshot and just said, this is what we pray for. This is a friend that's about 20 years in our life and just doing things to change the world. And she said, I've been praying this forever. Please, let's not stop. So she just wrote a bunch of imaginations. I've kind of added my own little value to them. It's a clip from a book. It's Francis Chan's most recent book called Letters to the Church. Um, you should read it. And so it says um, you should read the scripture first. Just read a lot of scripture and you'll gather all that. It says, look, imagine trembling believers. So Jennifer's just writing us saying, I'm praying for this for the body of Christ. And so just can you imagine with me and her and us? Imagine believers gathering together with Jesus at our center. We're on our knees, speechless, because we grasp the weight of the living God. Imagine that happening among this body of believers. Imagine small groups and larger gatherings coming together to pray, to open scripture, and to share communion together, just saying, Lord, be the center of who we are. Imagine our faith family coming together solely to experience Jesus. That's why we've gathered here. One praises him as tears streak her face. Another lives songs before the king. No one in the room is indifferent. That's... That single sentence has seared me throughout this week. No one that gathers in this room is indifferent. If you're indifferent in this room, God help you. Holy Spirit, stir in your heart. If you're sitting in this room, bored with the things of Christ, seek Jesus and don't wait for me to stop. Just come and repent in this pulpit right now. That no one in this room is indifferent about the things of Jesus. That will spark revival in this world. Receive that as you will. 
That we're coming to experience a Christ. That Imagine that one is praising God for his sacrifice. Another is utterly speechless, stunned by the intimacy and wonder and the magnitude of the cross. Another sings the lyrics of freedom from sin. And Christ has borne her wrath. And there are shouts for joy in the room. No one is indifferent, none. Dream of a faith, Amy, where scripture is read. People are on edge. Listen to this. Where scripture is read, people on edge, giving God's word its honor. It matters little who doing the reading it is the scripture itself that is riveting it matters little of the personality that stands and reads and all that the word of christ is engaging and that the word of christ does its work that it moves within us to repentance and the need for righteousness before god that's the power of the word of the cross Imagine explanations given, but primarily people are just engaging the scripture, listening for truth so that they could repent and they could worship freely. Imagine indifference being repented of across this room right now. Imagine the sin that has bound you as you just simply are clear before Christ. We studied in our small groups this morning of the power of sin and it broke my heart for myself and it broke my heart for Adam and Eve to see them as they for the first time ever and we've carried that trend, hid this from God. There is nothing that is hidden from God. And in fact, scripturally, you and I are hidden if we are followers of Jesus with Christ in God. So why would it not prevail upon us right now to have authenticity before him and just simply say, you already know everything, Lord, so I'm laying out. I repent of this. Bring me back into the fullness of what you have for me. There's, there's freedom in that. There's freedom awaiting in this room. Imagine a faith community where people lived in harmony with God and with one another and imagine with Christ at its center. In Zechariah 9.12, it just says, Return, you prisoners of hope. Return, you people who believe this and see this and read the New Testament and begin to see what God is doing in his church and how we move freely. And we begin to flip the pages through Galatians and Ephesians, through the book of Acts, and we sense this thought. We belong in those pages. Our hope is complete as a prisoner of hope and yet being completed. Our confidence in Philippians 1.6 is rooted in this truth that he being Jesus who started this work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Glory. God who is doing this work will complete his work and so our sensitivity and passion is not to come in and break free. Our, our, our passion is to break toward him and he is freedom. He is hope. We have experienced the unmatched, unprecedented, unmerited favor of the living God. That's who we are in Christ. He is, um, he is in Zechariah, just saying this description of us, he has snatched us from the fire. And he has placed us and imbued us with the people who have hope unfettered and joy that is, that is un, inexplicable. In Ephesians 4, as I just thought of prisoner's hope, I read these words in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. It says, therefore... A prisoner of the Lord, that's me. I live a life worthy of the calling I've received. I live it with humility. I live it with gentleness. I live it with patience. I bear up with one another in love. Like this is a whole sermon series we're reading right now. Like I bear up with the body of Christ in love. I make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body, one spirit. We are called to one 
hope and at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's a lot of ones going in here. One God and Father over all, who is above all and through his all and in all. Now grace just moves toward that. There's just this, this sense of as a prisoner of hope, God, I'm not ambiguous as to my calling, my faith, my promise, my passion, my present, my past, my future. Holy God, you are good. And I'm in prison to this. I, I just thought back to a story that I heard at Passion in 2017, I think, where they just said, here's what you, you have to know about me. This is what you should know about us as a body of believers. If you're in this room and you're a guest or you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what you should know about us. We are prisoners of hope and we are chained to Jesus. And, and a, a, a reality for me that allows me to be a person of hope is every other thing that passes through my life is not what I am chained to. I am first imprisoned by the calling, the purpose, the passion, and the weightiness of Christ. And therefore, every other thing that gets chained to me, it gets Jesus. Every other situation and scenario and person and high-intensity person and extra grace-required person and pain-in-the-rear-end person, every one of them that come into my life, they gain Jesus. Every Patriot fan that will pass me in four hours will gain Jesus. Every Patriot fan in the room, kind of, we, I'll hug you. And that's, every one that we encounter, there, there's things that tie us, but here's where we are prisoners. We are prisoners of hope. Change our calling. And if I will, I wrote a note to myself in a journal that day. And I pray that God speaks to you in this way. I wrote, if I will remember this, then my life will be well. That I am chained to Christ and every other thing is therefore chained to us. It's, again, freedom and hope that is being shared in this room. And I, I think that's when impossible situations become plausible. We started the service there. That's when trophies are found. That's when we look into the impossible and we say, look, as we venture into the lion's den, as we walk in, I'm not worried about it. I'm chained to Christ. It's when we say, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when I walk into the fire, I'm already consumed by Jesus. He's consumed me. I will walk in and most likely I will be eternally with him or he'll come dance with me in the fire. When I walk up in the midst of a prevailing situation that is filled with travail and impossibility like David did when the entire army is sitting beside him, there's a giant that's been calling out to them for dozens of days. He'll look out at that and he'll say, look, I am not chained to this giant, nor I am chained to a lethargic army. I'm chained to Jesus and we'll move and we'll breathe into this earth this beauty and wonder of who the living God is and we will be a people who were walking in the completed work of Christ yes and amen make us Lord who we cannot become on our own and that's the passion of our heart experience the mystery I just close with this thought and we live the wonder hope comes as we stand among those people that Jesus has redeemed And we're lost in a sea of worship. I tasted it today. It was good. Hope comes as we stand in a sea of redeemed and we see and experience Jesus bringing us together. Oh, that we would be different toward that. That we would lose indifference and yearn for the Spirit of Christ together with us. It's something beautiful and glorious. You and I are called to God's eternal plan. We're part of something far bigger than ourselves, And I believe we have to grasp the mystery if we're going to back into this day.
and live the wonder. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we've been joined together as his church. And we are not just a part of the community of faith that walk about Mandarin and Jacksonville and some of us get on a plane and go to Haiti. That's not solely what we're about. We are also part of a community of the heavenlies. We are converging at times. And in fact, at all times in our worship, we are converging what God is doing in heaven and on earth. And I began to flip over to Revelation 4 and 5 and begin to say, how can I be a person of hope? And I began to realize I have to experience the mystery and I have to live the wonder of what I see making up what has happening around the throne. I mean, if you look in Revelation 4 and 5, the scene is glorious. There's living creatures crying out. They're declaring His holiness. There are spirits that are blazing. There are manifold angels who are praising Jesus with loud voices. There are elders who carry some important works and they are taking those works off and laying them at the throne room of the king. And it says that in loud voices, they were singing and praising the living God. And there's just this worship that is clamorous among Christ. It probably doesn't look like us a lot. It looks a little more lively. And there's this just passion that is pouring for him. And I read this and I think, God, this is my prayer. In Romans, or Romans, in Revelation verse 5, I just want to close with just this thought. This is where we're seated right now. When he took the scroll, verse 8 says... And the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls. And this is where you and I are involved right now. This is where Matt led us 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago. This is where we joined in in our worship and it became more than Mandarin Baptist. It became us joining in with the heavenlies. And just so you know, this is always going on because this is where we're involved. It is filled with incense, which is the prayers of the saints. So as there is this worship that is going on in the heavenlies, you and I are in the midst of it. And as we are praying before the living God, saying, help us hope in this world, in a world that is filled with paths of destruction. God, draw within us this hope that is in you. And we begin to ascend into this cacophony of praise that is around the King of glory. And we begin to worship Him there. And our hearts begin to taste that just a bit at times as we walk this earth. And we just simply say again, Oh Lord, that there would be bold bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl of incense of your praise and your worship, your glory and your renown, your hope and your dominion. And I, I, here's, here's, here's what I would pray for us as a church. I would pray that we fill many bowls before the living God, for in doing so we will draw a place of hope and power, passion and joy, because we will be one with him. May we do that for heaven's sake. Our prayers are the incense the aroma to Christ, we're part. I can only imagine this, but the aroma of our hearts warm us to the things of God and warm us toward the glory of God. And in verse 13 it says, by the way, in case you wonder if you're engaged, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and everything in them. Listen, there's nothing indifferent. Everything in them say blessing and honor and glory power to the one seated on the throne to the lamb forever and ever and the four living creatures shouted so be it and the elders fell down and they worship every voice every voice every voice together proclaiming hope proclaiming the name of hope proclaiming jesus gathering with the church leads us to holy ground 
Gathering with the church leads us to pour out our love and we hold up our chains and once again tether them to the living Christ. This is not an hour and 20 minute gathering. This is a tethering to Christ and to the heavens. And it is a gathering of the body of Christ who are saying, come hope with us. And I love this. Heavenly beings are shocked and in awe. If you go to Colossians, you will read about this. They are in awe by the church. We are teaching them of sacred ground. The early church tethered their hope to this reality and they worshiped with abandon. May the current church do the same. The heavens looked in what God had designed and they looked at the body of believers and they were in awe. And they said, there should not be any need of a system that speaks hope into a world that is void, for there it is. It is the church. It is the body of believers. It is the, it is the gathering of the redeemed. It's the saints of the living God. And oh, wow, are they called purposed and passionate. Come hope with us. Come hope with us. Seriously. Come hope with us. Let there be no indifference in this room. Come hope with us. Come hope that we gather with the church as a filling of holiness and hope-filled ground for the sake of the kingdom and allow this reality to be our story for the world will beat this down, but Jesus will be lifted up among us. Come hope with us. This is our story, Lord. This is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. God, I pray for perfect redemption that all will be at rest as you draw us to yourself. Father, I pray that you would bring a hope that does not disappoint among us. God, I pray that you would draw a difference among us as we pursue who you are. Jesus, I pray that you would move and breathe among us in ways that we cannot explain. And God, I pray that your scripture would do what it does well. God, I pray that as we have read your word over this body, it would draw us to repentance, to the desperate need for righteousness. And God, the only vestiges left at the end of this day as we walk about in this world will be the wonder of Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that you would come and hope with us. That you would pour into our hearts the hope that will not disappoint. So church, we close our service with a hymn, with our story, with the scripture and the truth that has been written on our hearts with the reality and the power of the cross and the beauty and the wonder of a Savior. We close our service with an altar open and a Jesus waiting with pastors who are gathered here to lift up his name if you would like to pray with someone with an altar open and you may bypass us and just come and pray. I pray that the story that God will write among us today will be a story of difference, of passion, of conviction, of prayer, of incense, of wonder, of living hope. So would you stand with me and worship with me? Would you move about as you need? Would you celebrate and be one together, united around the cross and the goodness of Christ. Lord, this is our story.